What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 10 of Shut Up! Keep Going! I'm Sydney Goodman. I'm Kate Franklin. And today, we are going to explore our internet curiosities, just like we do every week. Um, also, just a reminder, if you didn't already know, new episodes come out every Friday morning, so make sure you tune in, subscribe, leave us a review if you have any feedback, and specifically if you like this a lot. We'd love to hear it. We would love to hear your praises. I literally, I love hearing praise. We love praise. I've been working on affirmations. Mine is, I am happy with myself. Mine is, I am strong. Oh, that's a good one. Because I feel very weak. It, I can't take credit for it. It's from Yoga by Adrian. Have you ever done yoga with Adrian? No. Send me a link. Okay. Um, okay. Should I go first? Yeah. This is <laughs> okay. I'm. Please keep listening. This is a <laughs> shitty topic. But like, <laughs> please keep listening. Don't click out. It's about Brussels sprouts. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, because you know when we were kids. Wait, I think I know what you're going to say, but keep going. Okay, so you know when we were kids and everyone hated Brussels sprouts. And yes. I feel like it was this running joke in like all television that was like, oh, Brussels sprouts are smelly and they suck. <laughs> like that was like literally the punchline to like yes. half of the episodes on yes. TV, like on Nickelodeon and Disney. Why? I don't know. Like, it was just, like, the butt of the... And I can, like, literally see, close my eyes and see, like, the animated Brussels Being sprouts like, with, like, oh, the steamy steam yes. got it. <laughs> the steam. It was always that. And it was like, ew. Yeah, like, P-U. Yeah. Do people say P-U? P-U. I feel like I haven't heard that in so long. But that I was definitely... Either. That was definitely a thing, right? P-U. It stinks. Yeah, I honestly feel like we've lived long enough where we can see a difference in language and the way, mm-hmm. like, oh, people... Oh, for sure. I mean, that's... That's not profound when it's obvious, but like I watched as we get older, the way that we use words changes. Okay, but specifically, I listening off Siri. She's like, shut the fuck up. Um, I watched the holiday with my sister. Which one is? I get all of them confused. It's with Jack Black as a hottie, which I and Cameron Diaz. Yeah. Okay. Who is wait Jack Black? He plays the love Wait, interest. Wait, sorry. No, I know that. One okay. second. But do you, are, do you, are you attracted to Jack Black? I am in this movie. No, well, not. I love Jack Black so much. I feel like, have I talked about this on this podcast? No. That I am obsessed with him? No. Okay, wait. I'd love to hear this. Okay, well, I love him so much. Why? I mean, he should have gotten an Oscar for School of Rock. Like, I said it on I this podcast. School of Rock is overrated. <laughs> I think this might be the first time that we've, like, disagreed. Um... I don't really know how to move on from this. <laughs> I've seen it like a hundred times. I, I just, it didn't it. click with me. I don't know why. I don't hate it. I just like, it's not profound to me. I think it's just an okay movie. Mm, I mean, it's like so deep within me that I don't even know. Like, it's like, yeah, the sky is blue. School of Rock is the best. Like, I don't really even know. Mm. Like, I'm kind of disembodying right now. Wait, no, but I want to understand. Well, I don't know. Wait, I, I said it. it. What? I just want to understand. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that in the last episode. <laughs> I, okay, I don't know. I saw it when I was, when I first came out mm-hmm. and I was like, I, I, I know I am in the very small minority for not being hit as hard by it. I feel like this is the equivalent of people who don't like Anchorman. I don't love Anchorman. What? I mean, I do, huh? but like, I don't. It's so funny. It's so quotable. Do you like Talladega Nights? I am honestly, if I had to pick one, it's Step Brothers. 
Anyways, for Jack Black in the holiday. Um, the podcast, this is the last episode. Um, so <laughs> we got to 10 and now. No, School of Rock, I mean, I don't know. I, I do have to say, though, that we watched it in one of my classes and we were in like the theater and everyone was like clapping, like everyone was obsessed and it was a very bonding moment because mm-hmm. it slaps. I don't know why you don't like it. It's, I, I just think Jack Black is so, it's, I mean, he was made to be in that movie. Like, I think if we give Oscars based on the actor's kind of spirit pulsing through the movie and coming out to us as an audience mm-hmm. member. So you mean when like an actor like, finds a role that is like their typecast not even typecast but it's like their essence Mm -hmm. I don't know like so like what they're going to be typecast for for the rest of time you'll you'll get this example (laughs) Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood perfect role for him right because it's Brad Pitt playing himself True. Okay. Yeah. Jack Black is playing Sorry, himself. I'm in this like, movie. I'm just being a bitch. <laughs> I, I please Anyways, love this movie. I love him so much. And yeah. I, my dream. He has a gaming YouTube channel. I know. Jablonski. Jabros. I don't know the name of it. I but just acted so confident. I'm the biggest Jack Black fan. I love him. So I watch his. Yeah. I, I do really like Jack Black as like a person functioning as an, act, an entertainer. I think he, that's like chill okay. i really want to make a movie where he plays like napoleon or something i'd watch that so i do like jack black i'm just really interested in your like undying love for jack black only because i feel like you're somebody i can be real with <laughs> and like i just don't understand how i miss the boat on this do you know because i feel like by all accounts i should love school of rock but i like just didn't hit it me. just really hit me as a kid and i've never forgotten it i think mm. maybe like if I could psychologically trace it back, it's like I went, I thought I went to a really boring school and like, it was like total wish fulfillment of like a cool teacher coming around and like teaching you to be a rocker. Like I remember Mm. I went through like a hard rock phase after this where I would like take my dad's like ACDC CD and listen to it. And I had a shirt that was bedazzled that said rock star and I would wear it a lot and listen Mm. to Evanescence. Yes. (laughs) Um, so I don't know. I think it is like wish fulfillment mixed with like Jack Black is just really entertaining in it. Um, and if it hits you the way it it does. Anyways, the holiday, where was I? With Jack Black. Yeah. You and your sister. Cameron Diaz, we were watching it and I just realized that no one talks like that anymore. Like it has such a, the way they talk is like so weird to me now like it seems like a different time can you give an example even just like if you can't think of sentences like a word that they use that it's not even on the word it's the way they act and the way they uh like is it like very like charlie's angels well okay something that they did that really bothered me but i realized is such a thing that happened in movies in the mid to early 2000s was that there'll be scenes that's just with cameron diaz or just with kate winslet where there's saying what they're thinking like Cameron Diaz would be like hmm a little cottage in the village yes please they did do that a lot yeah but I feel like a lot of movies did that and now we just don't have that as much anymore or something I don't know where we how we started on this but I feel like it's like a Brussels sprout like a oh pu like Mm -hmm. it's like something like that is like did people ever say that though in conversation pu yeah in like the 1940s I don't know (laughs) probably not even then they're like that's lame Okay, well, anyways, Brussels sprouts are now kind of in vogue a little bit more. I love Brussels sprouts. I do, too. Get get me some, like, crunchy crunch. Sorry, that was Mm. in your ear. 
Um, but anyway, so Brussels sprouts used to be characterized as bitter, unpleasant vegetables that smelled really bad. And I was just kind of like, why are Brussels sprouts no longer that? Like they're on a bunch of menus and I feel like everyone's like, please make the Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Why the change? There's a scientific answer. <gasps> really? Science. Yes. I was so excited to learn this. Okay. So we're going to start with one, something called glucosinolates. Sinolates, sinolates, glucosinolates is how I'm going to say it, uh, which are the chemical compound that gives veggies like broccoli, kale, and cabbage and Brussels sprouts um, a bitter flavor. Okay. And so Brussels sprouts has like a high, has high levels of glucosinolates. And there's two reasons why Brussels sprouts used to be characterized as bitter or still kind of are. Um, one, not everyone has the gene for tasting bitterness from glucosinolates, similar to how for some people cilantro kind of tastes like soap. Mm -hmm. So there's like a genetic thing on like what the perceived taste of this is. Can I say, I don't have that cilantro thing, but one, my mom does. Oh, interesting. But one time I got really high. Can I say mm -hmm. that on this podcast? Hey, it's legal. It's legal here. I got really high and we went and got tacos and I had cilantro on it and I thought I was eating soft soap. Interesting. Like I thought Maybe I like trigger it when you're high. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Anyway, it's gone. So the second thing is that Brussels sprouts now have been bred to have lower levels of glucosinolates. Whoa. So legit the Brussels sprouts that were once characterized as being bitter and disgusting. And PU. Actually, PU, they actually were that. That's so crazy. And they've gotten less that through um strategic plant breeding so who was the guy being like guys like he went into the board meeting and was like listen we gotta get these brussels sprouts on americans plates so according to npr it was dutch scientists uh who identified what made the veggies bitter in the 90s and they're like, let's rebrand. Seems like it's like a global rebrand because it also says uh, seed companies in the Netherlands started looking for other varieties of Brussels sprouts that had lower concentrations of glucosinolates. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Can you get like a vintage version of Brussels sprouts to taste test with current ones? That's a good idea. I don't know. Interesting. You probably could find some, but I would imagine that it's probably not widely distributed. Okay. Because even now when you like go to buy Brussels sprouts, it's not like there's different varieties like apples, for example. Mm -hmm. It's just like, here's some Brussels sprouts. Yeah. But it does say once they found the ones that they wanted, plant breeders crossed them with new varieties that had things like higher yields and good disease resistance. Wow. Yeah. So absolutely wild crazy um it's kind of similar though to how you know the bananas that we have now aren't naturally occurring bananas they yeah. were made through like plant breeding crazy it is really wild when you think about it and i love thinking about things like this where it's like we all eat food like i'd imagine a majority of us listening to this podcast don't make our own food so it's like it just kind of appears in the grocery store and i think it's really easy to just not think about like where is this coming from yeah even beyond you know oh it's coming from a farm people are picking this it's like okay like no but like where did this like where did this come from my question is when does the breeding become bad because i have it in my head that if we're like being mad scientists and like breeding different kinds of food it's like not that good Mm -hmm. I mean, it's I, like I don't genetically think you're modifying it, but, but well, we love Brussels sprouts now. I would say when I think of genetically modifying, because I think they do do that in a lab where they will legit like genetically modify and then like, yeah, 
breed from that. Um, I think that like with plant breeding, that makes sense. And I think there are pros and cons in both situations, like with plant breeding and genetically modified foods. I think there definitely are consequences and I go back and forth on GMOs. Um, but it's something where it's like, but they also could be modifying for, you know, to be more disease resistant. And so does that mean that they use less, I don't know, agriculture very well, but it's like, does that mean they use less pesticides because it naturally isn't attractive to this, to these insects that are pests? Like, I think there's positives that can come Mm -hmm. about. I read an article, like when I was in college about this, cause I used to be very anti GMO. And then after I read it, I was like, oh, it's not always bad. Sometimes it is but it's not always bad. Um, but I do agree. Like at what point, like, is it less nutritious? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they sacrificed so that it wasn't as bitter. Well, I do. Have you ever had a plum quat? Yes. So good. So good. And so I actually in here, because that was all the research that I got my answer very quickly. <laughs> um, but I said, it reminds me of cotton candy grapes, which have you ever had those? <gasps> those are so my sister just showed me those over the summer. And I was like, of mind blowing. Why do do they not sell those anymore? They're only in season at certain times. And actually, um, I want to say that when they first came out, the person who invented them or like bred them, they had like an exclusive contract with a chain of grocery stores. I think it might've been whole foods or Trader Joe's or something. And now it's more widely available. It's extremely widely available. You can get it at Costco. Um, so one, if you haven't had cotton candy grapes or mm. these green grapes, I think they're in season like spring, summerish. Mm-hmm. Um, but they legit taste like candy. It's so crazy. It's the it's so crazy. Like if you close your eyes and ate it, like it just it tastes like candy. It's yeah. wild. Um, but it actually came from plant breeders in California. Mm. So this guy named David Kane, who's a horticulturist, uh found it through plant breeding and just hybridized two different grape species crazy yeah and, and it just happened just, to taste like yeah so how long does it take to breed a plant and like get a result where you're like let's try this now i mean using the timeline for the brussels sprouts it says and according to npr those dutch scientists identified the glucose sinolates as being the source of like having high levels of that as being the source of the brussels sprouts bitterness in the 90s um and i would say what in the last like Three years, Brussels sprouts have come back, made a comeback. More yeah. than that, three, four, four years, Brussels sprouts have made a comeback. Uh, so like, that's a significant amount of. Have you ever had just like the like a really good Brussels sprout dish where it's like, oh yeah, a little bit of maple syrup, maybe some bacon, and it's like candy. I love it when it's like just like almost burnt. Oh my god, like, yes, I love I it most- crispy. I want it crispy. Ugh. I've had some really good Brussels sprouts in my day and yeah. I am salivating thinking about it. I kind of am too, actually. I'd like love a good. But yeah, that, that's it. Sorry, that one was really short, but I thought there'd be like a longer explanation, like a cultural analysis as to why we're more open to things. Um, but it's just science. Oh, like from us or from science? From us. I thought that I was kind of wondering if it would be something where it's like culturally like it was depicted in film or something as being like really gross. And then like, they realized we had too many Brussels sprouts or like the Brussels sprout farmers like lobbied for things to change. Well, I don't I was, know. That's kind of what I was hoping for, but that's not the case. That's why I was imagining my like boardroom situation where some guy was like, let's rebrand this, but no. Okay. Yeah. There is a really interesting thing that I did not, I'm not doing this topic this week, uh, but about cheese bunkers that is, 
kind of along those lines though okay well you have to do it now i'm on on my toes yeah i'll do it in a few episodes oh wow that's crazy yeah. though okay brussels, brussels sprouts well all mine's actually a little bit related to this in the sense that it's about Wait, i just realized your water bottle and your mug match yeah, did you yeah do it's that? on purpose. Do they are they like? Did you buy them together? Did no, you? I just I got the water bottle and it was marble, and I was like, I'm gonna get a Let's keep it going. Yeah, is that too much? No, I like the aesthetic. It's nice. I kind of hate that my water bottle is so ugly. Sorry, love you, man. Uh, but it's just like this bright yellow. But it's just because it like works, and I really like hydro flask. Well, I think being the quarantine, I'm now like my OCD about everything being a specific look because I have to look at everything all the time. Mm. I'm like crazy about it. That's so funny because I feel like my apartment is the exact opposite of that case where it's like, there's a Peloton in the middle of, there's a Peloton <laughs> within three inches of my dining table. Like that doesn't make sense. There is a giant ass camera on a tripod with a teleprompter and a soft box Wait, that would, also lives would on this the other be here side outside of quarantine absolutely not why oh. would that be there it's the dining table why is there an exercise bike next to the dining table where would you put that non-quarantine uh there's a space in my office oh i actually just made that space it's gonna move up there after christmas but oh sorry you're listening to this after christmas oh caught we pre-recorded this um no i have like a pile because for my parents christmas present i'm digitizing all of our like analog um family like videos and film cute that's such a good gift yeah it's an undertaking um because we I i had to buy in vhs and then um i we have like mini dv i think is what it's called like little tapes and then we have like the little mini dvd things so it's a little bit of a process but i have a giant box full of them and so it's like in the corner and i didn't want to crowd my office so it's still down here but eventually that thing will move wow yeah but we also have a pc tower we have a lot of i have an i'm looking at an exercise ball right now I can't say the same for My you. apartment looks like a serial killer lives there because it's so, like, decorated to the nines that I actually kind of find it, like, embarrassing. Because it's so clean and decorated? It's not. I mean, it is clean, but it's just, like, every part of it is considered. But it's because I live in a studio, so I can do you that. Have, yeah, you have to think about but that. But then you open my closet, and it's like a war zone because I just <laughs> shove it all in there. But I do get that because I think that even in our apartment, like I have considered every inch of this space. And yeah, I it's think considered. Very, I think very hard about like what pieces of furniture I have and like what can move or whatever. And at the beginning of quarantine, I definitely struggled with it because work would just kind of be like, well, can't you just like put this green screen here? And I'm like, no, I don't think you understand. Like there's exactly six inches for walking that I've allowed. <laughs> and there's no leeway because I can't move the couch because if I move the couch then that means I have to move the table. And if I move the table, it yeah. runs into the TV stand and the TV stand is against the wall. So there is absolutely no space to, there's yeah. no leeway. Uh, so I get you in terms of using space. Yeah. So anyways, on that note, on that note, um, let's, let's talk, uh, about the Zambian chimpanzee. What? <laughs> what did you just say? The Zambian chimpanzee. Named, oh, chimpanzee. I okay. said chimpanzee because <laughs> I've had half a glass of wine. <laughs> Woo! Take your top off. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Woo! They can all see. I'm just kidding. My top is fully on. Don't Texas tuck that. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. It's a callback. That's an inside joke. Okay. So it all started with the Zambian chimpanzee named okay. Julie in 2010. Love Julie. Julie stuck a piece of grass into her ear and then left it there. And then she would do it over and over again, Sydney. Would she ever move the grass or it's just... Why? Okay. Why did she put that blade of grass behind her ear? It's okay. a great question. So this grass and ear behavior actually has no function. Okay. <laughs> Julie's a fucking idiot. No, I'm just kidding. Julie is... Um, we're going to learn fancy. what Julie is. Okay. And it, we all know we all know the, t- the Julie type. We all know the Julie type. Because okay. after Julie put that little grass behind her ear, other chimps started doing it. Okay, trendsetter. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It was we were getting there. Basically, what it happened is that chimpanzees, since they're our closest relative, mm-hmm. they have culture. It's a sign of that they have a sense of culture mm-hmm. and that they can set trends. They saw her do that, and so a bunch of other chimpanzees did that. And then chimpanzees that saw the chimpanzees doing that would also do it, and it just, like, tracked from there. Um, And so I just thought that – because I got this story because I looked up how are trends made, and Mm -hmm. this came up. And so what I'm going to be talking about is how trends are made. (laughs) Sorry, I'm literally buying you a book right now. Okay. From my evolutionary biology class. Okay, why am I so obsessed with evolutionary biology? Who knows? You would love it. It was such an interesting class. I mean, I think just like because at its core, it get it gets at the question of like why, like why are we the way that we are as a society? Like how are we? What? So I think that's why. Yeah. Well, so the book is *Sapiens: A Brief History of Humankind* for everybody that is. Um, oh my god! Thank wondering. you. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy. You're listening to this. That <laughs> happened a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Sorry. Um. So, I mean, we, you actually probably know about this, but Mm. I'm just going to No, please do. So there's a bunch of different ways trends happen, obviously, but I'm kind of going to break them down. Great. Because one of them came about because I, well, I'm going to get into that. So one one of the versions is called cool hunting. Do you know what this is? Mm Mm-hmm. You do? Yeah, keep okay. going though. But cool hunting is a thing that was coined in the early 1990s about marketing professionals that would make observations and predictions about what c- cool culture is. Dude, we learned this. We were in class together when we learned this. It was in art in high school. I do not remember this. Who told us this? Our art teacher. Oh, well, I did forgot. I only remember because it was like so interesting to me. It was like very impactful. Well, so th- another thing that I'm going to talk okay. about is something that I latched onto in high school and have since re- I'm revisiting yeah. it now. So, do anyways, you have sorry more information on cool hunting? Continue. I don't really have that much. Okay, we just we know what cool hunting. is I just now. wanted to define that because that's one of the ways. Got it. Okay. Um, so cool, and that makes sense. I mean, like they go out on the streets and they're like, "Why are you wearing that trash bag? Is that cool?" And they're like, "Yes." So like, let's market that. Um, I mean, another obvious way is like high fashion, like what, like the devil wears Prada, iconic mm, monologue iconic. about oh, snaps. Cerulean. So good. Mm. Which we love. We should really, we've already given that movie our accolade. It is shut up, keep going approved movie. Shut up, keep going approved um, film. So that way, but then, okay, here's where I got this is what I'm mostly focusing on is I remember in high school 
we went to like kind of, I guess we kind of went to a prep school, would you say? It was like a college prep school. Everyone was expected to go to college, Mm -hmm. which now looking back, I think that's annoying, but. I have opinions on that. And it's interesting because my dad does too. And I remember when I was like very indoctrinated by our high school and that mentality being like, not embarrassed, but being like, dad, like, oh, you wouldn't dare have a different opinion. But his yeah. thing was like, not everybody needs to go to That's college. That's my parents think the exact same thing. Like college, a college education isn't valuable for everybody and isn't definitely is not valuable for every single job avenue. Yeah. It's Being in college in- a lot, as I have been now, I'm like, <laughs> this is ridiculous sometimes. Um, but <laughs> there was one kid I remember cause our high school, like when we graduated, we had a slide saying mm-hmm. Katie Franklin, San Francisco art. And like, it would say we were going to college. And there was this one kid, I forgot what his name was. So we don't even need to bleep it out, but it was like this kid going to Germany. Do you remember Good for that? him, dude. It was, and everyone was like, yeah, but it was like, so yeah. Anyways, the but- person I was dating at the time played sports and they like didn't know where they were going to college and I just remember like being at his house at the wrong time and him and his parents got in this like argument about it because it's like what is your slide gonna say (laughs) the the, the slide god that's horrible anyways so we had college scouts come into a lot of our classes to talk about college I guess that's normal in most colleges or in most most high schools schools, but I remember I've never been to another high school I wouldn't know is it because we had someone from FITM come into art class was it this yeah Okay, so this is what I remembered. Some girl, it was a girl. I'm not just saying that because it's FITM. But it was some girl from FITM, mm-hmm. some woman, came in. FITM is the fashion institute in Design LA. merchandising. Yeah. Uh, she came in to pitch FITM to us as an art class about going there. And she talked about, she was like, yeah, we have the trend books there. Like, and, and I remember someone asked, was it you that asked her maybe? It so might have been. I was very fascinated Someone by this. was like, what does that mean? She was like, oh, like only certain people get access to the trends, like who decides the trends. And I was like, that's a thing. Like, I remember I was so, it felt like the man behind the curtain. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I was like, that's someone's job. And I always remember that but I never looked it up until we started this podcast dude it's what it's all about it's what it's all about so I was like what did what did she mean by they have access to the trends and I don't know if this is specifically it but it probably is so there's this thing called the WGSN do you know this Mm -hmm. so the world global style network which was a company founded in 1997 And it basically is a trend forecasting company that, I mean, so, you know, (laughs) no, but I mean, the people listening don't, that's true. I didn't know of, I didn't know. I haven't thought about it in a while. I, I, so this is what she's talking about. It costs a ton of money to join in, but it's the reason why. Okay. So basically it's not a secret, but there's a huge paywall to get behind it. And it's caused different for the type of corporation your or company you're part of. But um, it's there's a lot of different trend companies, but this is the biggest one. Um, and it has clients including Nike, H&M, Starbucks, NBC, Nickelodeon. Um, and they don't obviously just do fashion prediction, but that's kind of where they started out. And so basically what it is, it's like an online... I guess they have books. That's what she was talking about. But it's an online thing where you go on and you're like, okay, this season, mint green 
or, but it's like, gets even more specific where they're like, you have to make your shoe look exactly like this. And it answers the question of why, when you go to an H and M, they have the exact same clothes that are slightly like a degree off from the clothes at forever 21 or like Zara. Like it's it's like, that's why all everything looks the same is because they're all getting it from the WGSN. And when you think about how long like lead times are for producing that kind of stuff, I remember I was always kind of like, that makes no sense. How are they all the same? If like, it's like you can't copy off of a test if you haven't taken the test yet. Yeah. You know, that was a bad analogy, but basically that it's like, how would Zara know that H and M was also doing a collection that seems like it's like very, very similar if their collection just came out, like you couldn't have put it in production that quickly. But it's because they're on. But it's because of this. Because of this. So the guy that founded it is named Mark Worth. And he's worth a lot of money. Listen. Mark my words. (laughs) No. Um, He left the company in 2008. um, Or no, in 2005. And after he sold the company, he went on to say, quote, shoppers complain that everything on the high street looks the same, but is it any wonder instead of looking for inspiration, brands are relying on templates because everyone uses the same templates. There's no competitive edge, which is like, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um, was there anything about like the, how the organization comes to choose the trends? Yeah. It's through a lot of high fashion and so they are doing the insp- the legwork for the inspiration. Yeah, that's basically that's down. their job is that they do high fashion, they do cool hunting, they just like find and then they see, I guess they like forecast how like in the past how similar things have mm. they just do a bunch of like calculations, you know? Yeah, enhance. Um yeah. Cuz that also answers the question of like when you see a high fashion show and you're like how would this ever translate to Displayed a few like something years. I would wear. And then, yeah, literally, like, you you see it, like, that was four years ago, and now it's, like, a common thing. Remember when dad shoes came out? Mm-hmm. I swore that was never going to be a thing, and it is, and I have refused Here to get are. on board. Oh, I love that. I know. You do. <laughs> I love a good dad shoe. I hope that never goes out of style. Same with high-waisted jeans. I will never wear low-rise jeans. I think only like preteens can I mean, because their okay, bodies haven't developed. I have to yet. say that's a trend that I love and support because low rise? No, no, no. High oh. rise jeans. Because when I was an awkward preteen and you have to be a stick. You have to That's have, what I'm saying. I have I was once a noodle person and it worked out for me, but I am those days are long gone. Yeah, like you have to be that way in order like but everyone else suffered. Mm-hmm. It was not it was not I wanna hear something embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, so I don't remember the circumstance where I was coming from that I needed these jeans, but I didn't have jeans. I think we were going to go to Disneyland. This, I am really lucky to have the childhood that I have. I'll just put that on the table, but we were coming from something and I was not appropriately dressed to go to Disneyland. And all of a sudden it was like a spontaneous, like, Oh, we're going to like, Sid's going to go to Disneyland. I think I got, I got invited or something. And I was like, okay. And so it made more sense to stop at the mall and buy a new pair of jeans than like reroute and go all the way to the house to change so i was like okay like we'll just go to abercrombie and get some jeans i was like okay so like we're trying on the jeans but like i was so young at that point that i was like still wearing like grandma underwear 
And like they were so low rise that like two inches of my underwear like peeped out at the top. And I remember it was this like very contentious thing of like, does my like, do we buy more like Abercrombie underwear or like, do I just like tuck in my thing? (laughs) My like grandma underwear. It was like very confusing. I don't remember what the final call was, but that was when I got this pink shirt that said bitch on it. But then if I wore a jacket, it covered up the F. And so it just looked like I was wearing a shirt that said bitch on it. (laughs) But I was like 10. <laughs> I remember when Fitch was like canceled, right? Yeah. And then they rebranded. And actually, they do have some like clothes that look. Do they still like dump loud. like loads of cologne? I haven't been in an Abercrombie and <laughs> Fitch for a long time. But I do remember when. Do you remember when it was speaking of trends, when it was very fashionable to wear like a colored tank top under everything. Yeah, so like everything there was like the end of the shirt and then there was like a second shirt underneath that yeah. you wanted to show. I had one that was like a lace, like a white lace bottom and I wore it every single day and it literally was so <laughs> gross. <laughs> How'd you keep it so white? It was not white. The bottom was white, but everything else was like. It's all you needed. That was all that was going to show. There was show. like the super hip girls that would have like five. Do you remember? They would have like five different That ones. was me. I was obsessed with them, dude. I literally <laughs> owned every color that Abercrombie had and every color that Hollister had, which they're the same company with a different embroidered animal on it. And, um, but they, they, the fabrics were sort of different but i just remember i was like obsessed with i had my collections and i would just like mix and match and like wait i feel like that's my freshman year i was scared of you or and or thought you were rude because you wore abercrombie because my family my parents hated abercrombie i have no idea why i mean maybe it makes sense it makes sense there's like naked men on the wall and they just had like certain things that they deemed as like like bratty people mm-hmm. wear like brat stalls i was not allowed to have brat stalls. i was i had some but it was a reluctant my parents were not stoked about it get a tbh yeah and abercrombie we're like there are two things that they're like no like i remember my sister had an abercrombie shirt and they got mad at her it was like so dumb but um you used to wear a lot of abercrombie freshman year I that did. was when it was like hip yeah i did i yeah. and juicy couture <laughs> i definitely dressed in a way that i don't think my personality but matched it, what I was wearing. But I feel like when you're maybe it extended beyond being a preteen or it was just because we were preteens of that era, but it felt like at that time you just had to do that. Like you had to There was to no wear. other option. Yeah. Yeah. That's why when to hark back to our irony episode, I that's why I stand by becoming a hipster. Because that was the first opportunity you had to like not have to wear the Abercrombie mm-hmm. shirt, you know, or, to kind of do something you know? different. Yeah. But um, I was a really chubby preteen, and I, the pants were always way too long for me. So that's why I started. What wearing, does that have to do with being chubby? Because the waist was like for like tall people, and I was like a little person. No, I wasn't. Okay, you know what I mean. <laughs> And so this is why this horrible trend that I made in middle school was I would always wear Bermuda shorts because <laughs> they like <laughs> my outfit. The cats hated that I just screamed. <laughs> my oh. outfits were. I'm not laughing at you, by the way, because I definitely wore Bermuda shorts too. It's more of just like a. But oh. they were like, because they were kind of longer because I had short legs. They were like past my knee. <laughs> And that was also a time where, like, having your logo on your shirt was, like, a big deal. Yes, and so yes. I, tr- like, saved 
I don't even know how I got money, but I saved all my money to buy one Lacoste polo shirt. And it was like the most, I wore it like every day. So I'd wear a polo shirt, hopefully Lacoste, if it could be my one Lacoste shirt. And then like plaid Bermuda shorts every single day. And it was honestly a train wreck of an outfit. What shoes did you wear? <laughs> I don't know. Probably something. Well, I remember one time my dad got me Pumas from Costco and I thought they were cool and I wore them. And some guy was like, hey, my dad got those at Costco. You're wearing my dad's Costco shoes. And I cried. Oh, <laughs> dude, kids are mean. I wouldn't. I remember I got. Uh, <laughs> I remember I got these like, OK, so my school growing up had uniforms. Did you say lucky? Yeah. If you're an awkward kid who never knows what to wear, like. But the thing was, the uniforms were not made for my body. Like, Mm -hmm. it didn't make sense for me. I looked dumb because I was so tall and skinny and it was, like, not made for people. Also, my proportions are very weird, even as an adult. Quick offshoot from this offshoot. So I um, have friends who started a company for this like chair and the chair is amazing. And they were so amazing. It's Mavis chair. Mavics. One second. I should look up the name. (laughs) Mavics. Yeah. So my friend started this company called Mavics chairs and I was like so excited about it and I wanted to get one and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like let's support friends. Woo. And like, it has this awesome lumbar support, Mm -hmm. lumbar support. And, um, I can't use their chair because my my torso is so long. My oh. torso is too long. They literally cannot, the chair cannot accommodate my long torso. So like the lumbar hits you at a weird yeah, area? Yeah, and like oh. it's to the point where like the friends who have this company, um, they there's also a friend who is an NBA player. So he's like very, very tall. And they're like, well, like I'm sure they can help you like figure it out because like it can fit this person who's an NBA player and very tall. And I was like, Oh yeah, like great. And then I was emailing the customer support and I was like, yeah, like I think I need like an additional six inches and it'll be where it needs to be. And they were like, unfortunately we cannot accommodate that. And I was like, Oh no. So you're telling me my torso is longer than an NBA player's what? And it is, my torso is so long. Like if Alex and I both sit, I look like I'm six inches taller than him. Are you serious? And Alex is six three. I've never thought of you I have having such a long, a torso. long torso, and I have like relatively short legs as a result of you that. Have really buff legs. My legs is that are a weird so thing buff. To say? No, they're like so I'm sorry, buff. It's even very when confusing. I was, even when I, we were younger, I remember you just having like the buffest legs. <laughs> like they're like sculpted. They're like very <laughs> buff legs. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I remember, I was always so embarrassed about it. I still like, I don't know. I like my legs, but I'm also like, oh, they're so beefy. Is that like genetic? Do you think? I think it's like a perfect storm of me playing soccer for like nine years and oh. playing volleyball right after that. So two very leggy sports. Oh, I see. And like in high school when I was playing volleyball, like we trained very, very hard. So I was like, I was lifting, like, I think my squat was like 350. Holy God. That's like the most I've ever squatted in my life. I've never squatted that again um, after volleyball. But like, so I was like very, very muscular. I like, yeah, I have beefy legs. I'm sorry. I'm remembering the one time I did weightlifting in, <laughs> in high school and I had the bar 
Mm-hmm. I could only do the bar and then one time they put the weights on me and I went, oh no, and I tipped over to the side like a cartoon character. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh man, I am really grateful for that though because I think that weightlifting can be so intimidating and I think while, you know, you're embarrassed as a high schooler, it's like, I'm glad that I had a coach there that was like teaching me what to do and how to feel comfortable in a weight room because I think that it's like, yeah, now I like don't really care. Like I'm just going to go do it because I did it all through high school and I know what the form should look like and feel like. I'm really grateful for that. that. I am so embarrassed to go to a gym. Oh my gosh, I'll go with you. I mean, obviously post-COVID. Wait, post-COVID can we? Because I actually, I just am like, I don't want to go and like not know what I'm doing. Yeah, no, and I get it. It's gyms are so intimidating. Like I totally, I feel that sometimes. And I, like I said, I had, like, I know what I'm doing in a, in a gym. Okay, cool. But yeah, anytime. I'm always happy to do that. I've done that with other friends of mine too. Cause it's just like, like, let's get comfy. I'll get, I'll be done with film school. I'll be, we'll get you those buff beefy legs. (laughs) (laughs) I need some buff beefy legs. How did we, I feel like, because this was, what was this? This was a side step from an original thing that I said, and I felt the need to talk about my long torso. <laughs> oh, because we were talking about me not fitting into Abercrombie. Oh, uniforms. Uniforms. But so because I was so <laughs> ill-proportioned, it was, I remember that this, like, that makes it sound like I have an issue with how I'm proportioned. I only have an issue with it because it's really hard to find certain types of clothes. Yeah. But, like, it's fine, whatever. Um, But it's because I remember, like, all of the skirt, all of the bottoms, like the skirts and the skorts, I would have to get such a large size to like get it to sit where it was like in dress code, but then like it didn't fit the rest of my body because like I wasn't supposed to be wearing that. Basically, it just like didn't fit me. I can't remember why we talked about this. Uniforms. Oh, oh, okay. So we had uniforms and, um, you know, every once in a while you'd have like a spirit day where you could wear a uniform top, but you could wear denim on the bottom. <gasps> naughty i know and i just remember i don't remember why i'm telling a story i'm so sorry listeners (laughs) um but i remember i got these new jeans and they were like this dark denim and they were like kind of ish high-waisted but they were like super comfy and in gym you know you had to change into your gym clothes and this really mean girl put it in the shower so it was all wet and i like had to change into wet jeans who would do that mean she just took your did you did you see her do that? I didn't see her. My best friend did. Because I couldn't find my jeans. And it was like, oh, like I need to change. And then like my friend was like, oh, like I saw so and so had it. And That's then, horrible. And like that group of girls changed near the the showers. Yeah. So. <sighs> I hate that. It was lame. So stupid. One of the most exciting moments of my entire life was when we got a locker for gym in middle school that was like honestly probably more exciting than almost anything that's happened (laughs) was just like I have my own space I never got a little mirror for it oh I remember being excited about lockers but I like never used mine and I even remember in high school I was very confused about like the most optimal way to use my locker I have a horror story about lockers in high school Oh my god, Sydney. So my senior year. I always got a corner locker for some reason. Oh, that's lucky. I was so lucky. I, I think it's the probably because the lockers were already always in like a certain number grouped in the oh, same yeah. numbers and probably where my last name is. It I always, always ended fell. up at the end. So my 
our senior year, our lockers were right next to the art room. Mm -hmm. And since I was an art bitch, I like was always in the art room. And so I just stopped using my locker and I would just like store everything in the art room because I don't know. Okay. And so I, I also like, I, did I mention it on this episode or previous episode where I, my closet is like a war zone where mm-hmm. it's like party all aesthetically out front, just shove it in something. You know Great. what I mean? Yeah. I've always, I've had that my whole life where like, if something is closed off, I'm just going to not treat it well. <laughs> just like, <laughs> so I had all these papers and then I had, uh, my mom would make me coffee every morning and like oh, a little tumbler. So, uh-huh. so cute. And I had like five of those like shoved in my locker and a bunch of them like were still had a lot of coffee in them and they spilled and like just sat in my locker. Right. And I didn't use it for like three months. And the lockers, are they not connected where the spill would get to the other lockers? I was on the bottom. Okay. So I kind of just didn't deal with it. I shoved it all in there. And then I think it got to the point where shoving was no longer an option because there wasn't any space. So I just stopped using it completely. And at the end of high school, we had to clean out our lockers. Mm -hmm. And this poor kid, who I will not name, he was right next to me because of our last names. He was cleaning out his locker and he was like, oh my God, it smells like vomit in these lockers. He was like, it smells so bad. And like, everyone was like, yeah, like I've smelled it like this for like months. And it was because I had rotting coffee in my locker. And I'm like, so did you fess up or how did you manage to clean it without anybody seeing it? I just was like, I'll clean it out later. Like, because I knew it was after hours. But it was like everyone was like bonding about how horrible that block of lockers Mm -hmm. smell. And it was my fault. I feel like I also talked about this when I brought, I shut down my school because of the decaying film print. Apparently that's like a thing I do. (laughs) What does that say about me? But this, he was like the sweetest, like he was, smallest yeah. boy, and he was like, "Yeah, it smells like vomit." <laughs> uh, isn't it funny those like little things that like totally just stand out? Yeah, like oh, I have so many of those that are just wow. A lot of oh, it man. are like me. I just realized this as a psychological term with my therapist recently. I didn't know this was the thing about avoidance with anxiety. Mm. That's my number one way of coping with anxiety. It's like, and I've dealt with it my whole life where like, if something brings me a lot of anxiety, I will go to pains to avoid it. Yeah. So like, say I have a project due that gives me anxiety. I will creatively find ways to not have to deal to like not even deal with it. Yeah. And it is, and it just, like exacerbates your anxiety it gets worse and I didn't even I don't maybe I have gone to bad therapists in the past but I just have was told like that's a way of coping with anxiety interesting which honestly was a breakthrough I was I'm happy you had that thank you I was reading about procrastination and similar to that about how a lot of times when people procrastinate it is as a result of the thing that they're supposed to do makes them feel a certain negative way. So for example, if you're procrastinating on homework, you could not even realize that it's not because you don't want to do it necessarily, but it's because you fear like feeling stupid and the homework that you have to do is difficult for you. And so you just won't do it, which exacerbates the problem of not learning. And so then you feel stupid in class, but when you feel stupid in class makes you think you'll be bad at the homework. So then you don't do the homework. Yeah. I just had that with this writing project I'm working on. I 
channeled like every bit of anxiety I had, I channeled it into this thing where it became so big and so terrible mm-hmm. that like even to sit down at my desk was like triggering. <laughs> and then one day I like I had to do it. Like it was like yeah. I have to absolutely do it. And it took me like two hours. And I avoided it for like three months. It's so crazy. That's why for certain things, um, granted, this is less of things that cause me anxiety and more just like doing things that Mm -hmm. I feel like are perceived taking a lot of time. Well, one, and this actually, I don't know. I still haven't decided if it was helpful or hurtful for me, but I tend to get a lot of anxiety when I feel like my schedule, I feel very claustrophobic. And I think it's because I'm somebody that I really like, like spontaneous action. Like I like being able to just like, if somebody says like, oh, do you want to do something? Being able to be like, yeah, let's do it. Yes. Yeah. Like I'm a yes person. I want to do that and experience things. Um, and so when I feel like my schedule doesn't allow for that, I get really anxious about it. And so I sat down for a few weeks and like scheduled out every minute of my day. Oh. And like, it was really intense to look at, but I feel like I'm a very visual person. So being able to see like visually, like, okay, like I have time on my calendar to do to get all of my stuff done. And I have big blocks of time of like, no, like unstructured time. Like that feels good knowing that that's there. Um, but then it also stresses me out and it takes a lot of time. So I stopped doing that. Um, but the other thing that I was going to say is that I started, if things are going to take me less than five minutes, then I'll just do it when the thing is in front of me. Well, that's smart. Because otherwise I think that it's like, oh my gosh, I have so many chores, but it's like, if I just like put the thing away when I was doing it, then I wouldn't. It wouldn't be on my chore list. Yeah, I I think maybe it's living alone and also being home all the time. I like get so I'm so bad at completing things. It's like kind of gone out of control and I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> Where it's like something that should just take me like an hour. I have like absolutely no uh like will to just do it it's like because time yeah. seems so irrelevant you know it's I mean, like but also I think right now like there is such a problem of people including ourselves expecting this of ourselves just like expecting you to operate at like full capacity when it's like this is a really stressful I know everybody's like pretending that it's normal and that's like a way to cope with it is just like oh it's normal like I'm just doing my thing that's how I'm coping with it yeah but it's also like it's not this is not normal this is like a very weird thing even thinking about like biologically like our biological needs like are they being met Probably not yeah. because like we don't feel very safe. Everything's not secure. And like we're, we have very little social contact with literally anybody. Yeah. So it's like, you can't expect yourself to be operating at like full capacity, like all cylinders running because that's just, it's not realistic. That's true. I needed to hear that. (laughs) Cause literally it'd be like, I'll have like the simplest thing to do. And I, it'll be like three days later and I'm like, Oh my God, I like have to do this. And it's like, what did I just do for the past three days? I have no recollection of how time is passing. Yeah. No, I mean like, I feel like I pretty much have constantly even I've had certain periods of time during this quarantine where I've had like legit, like I am depressed and like I can identify that. But I feel like throughout I've had even just like an underlying, like maybe I'll have like one symptom of depression like this week. And then the next week I'll have another symptom of depression. And it's just like constant. And I'm just trying to remember to give myself a break because it's like this is unusual and I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I went through, yeah, the same thing where it's now it's like I was getting depressed about being depressed Mm, mm -hmm, where I was mm -hmm. like. I was like, I just need to give myself a break. Like, and then I was giving myself too much of a break. And then I was getting mad at myself that I was, you know what I mean? 
It's crazy. It's been a crazy year. <laughs> the last thing that I'll say in terms of like giving yourself too much of a break is like, does that exist? Probably. Only because going back to, I think it was a couple episodes ago or maybe it was last episode where I was talking about everybody showing up and like doing their very best. And like, I think that applies to yourself. Like however you show up in this instant, even if you feel like, oh, I could have pushed myself more. It's like, yeah, but you didn't. And I think that happened for a reason. I think it's because that's all you could have handled at that point. And so I yeah. think that it like just like every moment, however you're showing up is like your best. Yeah. It is what you are capable of at this very moment in time. Is that true though? Like, I feel like there's, I think there's, I think there's exceptions to that. I think like knowing how I am and knowing myself and also knowing you, I feel like you're like it's a true. very like I'm hardworking, very... like driven person Yeah, that it's like, I know that like, however I'm showing up is like 9.999 times out of 10 it's the best that I can show up at that moment I guess that's true like and I think that if you're honest with yourself even if you're not quote unquote like a particularly driven person I think if you're honest with yourself deep down if you ask like am I showing up to the best of my ability like if you're not like you're gonna know like there's gonna be a little tinge in your stomach yeah. of like Ugh. I mean I really think I believe in manifesting and like you really are able to like manifest what you want because I feel like the most successful people it's like there comes a certain point where it's it's no longer about like talent or intellect or whatever mm -hmm. it's just about the people that just keep going you know what I mean yeah like it seems like the people that are just like like uh, uh, a lot of people just give up along the way and it's people that never gave up so that should be inspo for us all I have to think about that a lot because never give up never surrender. I I think like get getting into my later 20s now which is oh, sad why so did I'm I like say not that? afraid of age or I tell myself yeah. that I'm like really trying not to be afraid of age because I do think that to a certain extent it's like a mindset yeah but it's like really weird to think about the fact that we're like past the mid-20s part we're like yeah and we've like eking, I've seen a lot of shit I don't know I've seen that. like like eras of people and whatever yeah but I just see like I've, I'm starting to see people fall away from like what they said they wanted to do or whatever. And it's just like, it's not because, I mean, some people have unfortunate events and I totally understand that. But a lot of times it's just because it's like, yeah, I don't really want that anymore. Or like, I'm not going to try yeah. anymore. But I think that's also like, there's something to be said if you don't want like changing your mind. Like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. That's totally cool. But I do agree. I, there was a certain visual that I saw recently that was kind of like a, a timeline like a circle I think maybe maybe it was a triangle mm -hmm. I don't know and it was basically just like the evolution of like not difficulties but kind of trying to achieve a goal of like it's like the ex initial excitement of like yeah I can do this and then kind of like the like a sobering truth of like oh this is hard and then like actually hitting like the hardship and then that most people at that point will like kind of be like ah never mind and then have another idea and it's this cycle and then like some people will kind of wait not wait out but kind of get through that like grind of like oh this is actually gonna be like yeah. I have to commit to this yeah and then continue and that you have to pass that for success I can't remember it was something it was like percentages and numbers talking about that but oh wow that's interesting mm -hmm. it yeah. was interesting that's I believe that's true I totally do too yeah I think that I don't know it's it's <sighs> It's difficult to say and like it's interesting and this is all anecdotal by the way um but it's hard because I think that a lot of people ask me like oh like do you have any advice to like be a host 
um, or to like work in X creative field. And it's tough because like part of me wants to say like, yeah, if you try anything is possible. And like, I, I believe that. And I don't, I don't know. It, it's tough because I feel like it's like, I do believe it because I do think that it's like, if you work really hard and let's say you're not innately born with the talent to be a great painter, but you like train very hard, then like you can overcome. I do believe that like hard work outperforms talent that doesn't work hard. Isn't that like a saying? I do believe that. But then it's difficult because I think, feel like there's so many extenuating circumstances where it's just like familiar old hardships, personal hardships, medical hardships. Like there's just so much, I don't know. It just, I don't, it's hard. Cause I think sometimes like, is it irresponsible to tell everybody to like, just go after your dreams and everything is going to be great. Because like, I will admit, I think I'm very hardworking and that like, I do think that I have like, in, I have innate, um, not gifts, but what would be the word like strengths that I've been able to cultivate into. I think my profession takes advantage of a lot of the strengths that I've been blessed with and have also cultivated. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I mean, I find life like a pinball game. Oh wait, sorry. That's what I was going to say. But I do think that there's a certain amount of luck involved with where I've gotten to. Yeah. It's like different things will that, I don't know. Life Life is is a pinball game is what you were saying. I really think that. Cause it's like different things hit you and you go in different directions and like certain people have certain things in their path that other people don't, but then down the line they'll have something. I don't know. No one's path is the same. Totally. That's what that. I think is, especially being in a school where the dream is really big <laughs> and it's really hard to achieve. I see a lot of, and I did this myself of like really getting obsessed with like how people started out and being like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And then when you really see it, there's like not like no one got it the same way. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to like realize that and be like, cause I see a lot of people being like, okay, like Paul Thomas Anderson, like made his first movie, like at 20 da, 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 and like, but it's like, he had a dad who was like in the entertainment industry. You know what I mean? It's like, so different. that can't happen that mm-hmm. way. And that's not going to happen for me. And you kind of just have to get rid of that mindset and just be like okay I think that like it's helpful to a certain extent but I think also it sorry my cat is sitting in such a I've never seen him sit that way um yeah I think that it's helpful to a certain extent and I think there's a certain amount of comfort to like see somebody and almost be like okay they're doing this and like I'm gonna try and match it and that'll up my chances I don't know I don't want to say it's a crapshoot because I don't want to take away from like I worked and you worked like, I think people work very, very hard to achieve their dreams. I definitely don't equate it all to luck, but I do think that there's certain circumstances that like allow you for certain things, right? Like for example, in college, like I was able to stream 30 hours a week on top of my course load and be involved in extracurricular activities and all this stuff because the job that I held was only a part-time job. I didn't need a full-time job to support myself, you know, like things like that, where it's like not everybody, even though I didn't have somebody in the industry, like I was in a financial position where I create, I had the time to spend yeah. on like working on side projects and things like that. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, hard. Did I already say, are we done? <laughs> I think we no. both- Wait, you haven't gone? No, I haven't gone. Oh, I oh my gosh. Trends. That's right. That's right. That's how we started talking about this. Okay. Oh, I got nervous for a second. I was like, it's been an hour. Oh no. Uh, but anyways, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, yeah. New episodes Fridays appreciate you listening to our existential uh, little combo <laughs> bonus combo at the end of this this will probably come out 
towards the end, if not after 2020. This is for right? sure after 2020, dude. Happy so, New Year. So congrats getting through this year, everyone. We made it on the other side. We did it. It's the exact same thing. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Except the calendar. Okay, you can find me everywhere. Sit so good. See you next time. Bye. Bye.